God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thanks so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to go to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there, so we bring the service to you, wherever you are. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles today to the book of Hebrews and chapter 12? That's where we're going to be today. And We'll also put those verses up here in the video for you, just to make it easier for you to follow along. I'd like to talk to you today about willing to grow. There's times in life when we all make mistakes, of course, and God steps in and disciplines us to correct us. He's teaching us what's right and what's wrong. He wants us to learn which ways we should go and which ways we should not go. He does this because He doesn't want us to be hurt by going down the wrong path. We did something wrong, but God wants to use the situation to make us wiser, to make us stronger. So He lets us know that we messed up so that we won't fall again. And that discipline can be uncomfortable at times to go through. But if you'll remember that God loves you and that He's doing this to grow you and mature you, then it'll be easier for you to follow along with what He wants to do in your life and to navigate your way through it. Sometimes when God corrects you, it may seem as if your whole life has been turned upside down, but that your story's over or something like that, and you're all worried and afraid about what's going to happen. But just remember, your Heavenly Father knows what's best for you. He knows what's just around the corner. And if you'll just be patient, you'll soon realize that God knew completely what He was doing all along. You might have thought that it was the end of your story, that that was just turning your life completely upside down. But if you'll just turn that page in life, you'll see that that one chapter that He might be ending is leading to the next one, an even better chapter, and it's just the beginning again. God promises that the end of your story will turn out good. He said that in the book of Romans, that all things work together for the good, for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purposes. That's you, His child. No matter what you face in life, troubles from other people, troubles that you brought on yourself, things that God had to discipline you for, no matter what you face from day to day, You just keep turning those pages and read on because God's got a beautiful plan for you on up the road. You're just going through a time of training. You know, Olympic athletes, when they train, they go through a lot of preparation. They're trying to get ready for what they'll be facing when it comes time to really compete. In fact, the athlete's life is 99% training and preparation and only 1% actually competing in the event that they had trained for. In that training, he has to carefully learn what to do and also what not to do, what helps and what doesn't help. And just like with that Olympic athlete, the training you're going through is not comfortable. In fact, it can hurt at times. You're hurting, you're tired, you're weak. The last thing you want to do is keep going to continue But if you'll just set your eyes on the horizon instead, if you'll just keep your focus on that finish line and you keep training, you'll stretch out your abilities and you'll become stronger and wiser as you go. You'll increase your endurance 
you'll get fully prepared for your event, the one that God's calling you for in life because He has an event just designed for your life. You see, just like a wise coach, God is preparing you for the great things that He's prepared for your life. You just pick yourself up each time you fall. You get back in that race. Those setbacks are making you determined to get to the finish line. They're making you more resolved to finish the race. Each time you lose your balance, it hones your senses. It makes you sharper. Your reflexes learn how to balance you better. Keep turning those pages in life. Don't give up and just close the book and walk away all defeated. No, you're here for a reason. You have a high and noble purpose in this life. Just keep letting God mold your heart as clay in the potter's hands. Don't question Him. You'll understand at the proper time why He did things the way that He did. Until then, just get up, suit up, and show up. God's planned amazing things for your life. Don't lose hope when you're going through God's correction. His discipline is evidence that you're His child. It's not a time for depression and despair. It's a time for getting stronger, for getting wiser. It's not a time to be discouraged. No, it's a time to be encouraged. God's not trying to tear you down. He's wanting to build you up. And if you'll be patient, you'll soon see the wonderful things that He has in mind for you. And that's what it talks about in our scripture for today. Let's read the first 13 verses of Hebrews chapter 12 together. We'll talk about what it means as we go along. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, a great number of witnesses it is. That's what he means when he says a great cloud. Because cloud is just a, a, a huge number, a multitude of droplets of moisture, you see. That's what makes up a cloud. He's saying now you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, a great number of people who know that God is faithful, of people who have proven God and shown that He is faithful and that we can trust Him. Then it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to pause right there. I want to talk about that. What it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now you're probably saying, well, Pastor Stephen, I know what that's saying. That's just saying the same thing twice. Let's lay aside that sin. Set that sin aside. Don't let that sin ensnare you. It's more than that. It says... Let us set aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. The weight is not necessarily your sins. You can go through life in this world and not sin, and yet your mind and your heart are set on the things of this world. Even if you love the things of this world, that's a sin now. But if you're looking at the things of the world more than you're looking at the things of God, if you're being distracted by the things of this world and your heart is not set on eternity, then you're taking on these things of the world that are like weights to you. They're like weights that the person lifts up and they lift these weights and they're heavy. 
you would never consider trying to run a race while you're carrying along these weights with you. That would slow you down. You probably wouldn't even make it to the finish line. Some of us wouldn't even make it off the finish line. But don't carry along those things of the world with you when you go through this life. You're running a race that is set before you by God Himself. And the race that He's given you is not a race that is about worldly things. It's about the kingdom of God. So set aside all those weights of the world. And then it says also set aside the sin which so easily ensnares you. Isn't that true? I mean, how many times have you thought about, you know, after you sin, you think, oh, my goodness, I don't want to do that again. God, I'm never going to do that again. You can trust me, God. I'm your man. I'm your woman. That's what you say, depending on if you're a man or a woman. And you say, God, I am so determined not to ever sin again like that. And then the first thing you know, <clears throat> there you are again, right back in the same situation, having sinned. Sometimes in different ways and sometimes the very same way, over and over again. Well, it should know. That verse right there in front of you says, and lay aside this sin which so easily ensnares you. You see, that sin doesn't have to struggle to ensnare you. It says it easily ensnares you. It's easy for sin to ensnare you. When you're trusting in your own resolve, when you're trusting in your own emotions, you're going to be ensnared by sin. The only way you can avoid it is to trust in Almighty God. He's the one that's right there with you, and He'll guide you. But then 1 John says, And brother, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, it wouldn't have to say that if he didn't know that you're going to sin, you're going to fail, you're going to fall. The question is, is are you going to get back up and keep going, keep running the race that God has before you? Or are you going to let that sin destroy you and take you out of the race altogether? You have to be careful not to let the sin ensnare you. That's why he says, let us set aside every weight and set aside that sin that so easily ensnares us and continue to run that race with endurance, the race that is set before you, as it says in verse 1. Verse 2 then goes on to say, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Of course, he's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the one that our faith is in. It says that he went through his race. He ran his race. He got to the cross. He set his eyes on the kingdom of God and he went to the cross for us that we might be forgiven and that we might be allowed in the kingdom of God through forgiveness of our sins by his blood that was shed for us. That's the Passover story right there. He was the blemish-free lamb of God. And if we believe on Him and that His body was broken for us and that His blood was shed for us, God sees the blood of the blemish-free Lamb of God on the doorposts of our heart and He passes over us in judgment. That's what Pesach, Passover, is talking about. That's what it's always been about. The blemish-free Lamb of God 
giving his life for us. And it says that he for the joy set before him <clears throat> endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the very throne of God. It says, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. All the world was against him. Even his own disciples left him, abandoned him. It says, considered him. <clears throat> People were trying to kill him. He had such hostility from sinners against him. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls, it says. Consider the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ the righteous. Verse 4 then continues along with this thought. It says, you've not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you've forgotten the exhortation that speaks to you as sons. Key word there is sons. It says from the Tanakh, my son, do not despise the chastening or the discipline of the Lord. That's what that means. It says, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Now a couple of words that we've looked at in the last couple of verses here is don't despise the chastening or like we said the discipline of the Lord. The Lord will chasten you. He'll deal with you as sons. That simply means he'll correct you. He's your parent. He's your father. You're his child. <laughs> You're not a fully grown adult. Oh, I know you are in this physical body. But to God, spiritually, you're a little child. You're just a little child. You need His help. And along the way, you're going to make the wrong choices. You're going to make mistakes. And God is going to tell you what's right and what's wrong. And He's going to discipline you when you don't listen, you don't pay attention, you do that wrong. But He's not trying to kick you out of His family. No, you're His son. You're his daughter. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, no one will take you out of my hands. That's what Jesus said in the New Testament. And then he goes on to say, my father is greater than all. And no one can take you out of my father's hand. Then he says, I and the father are one. We know that about God. That he is three in one. He's not just three. He's three in one. Can he exist in ways that are far beyond our imagination, our ability to comprehend? Yes, he can. Is he just like you and you're one and yet you're still one? No, he's not just like you. God exists in ways that are far above your imagination. For as the heavens are above the earth, as Isaiah the prophet says, so are his ways higher than your ways and his thoughts higher than your thoughts. You think for a while and you think, I've got God figured out. And then he shows you how you're wrong. You cannot comprehend. You can't wrap your mind around the existence of God. Just suffice to say that he is so far above you as the heavens are above the earth. Your thoughts can never completely understand the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. So it says now, don't be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Scourges means to punish. That's what it means. To punish. He punishes his children, every one of them that do wrong. He punishes them. I remember punishing my <clears throat> kids when they grew up and everything. 
you know, you have that saying as a parent, you know, before you're about to discipline them, maybe spank them or something. Yes, that's a biblical concept, by the way. Still, doesn't matter what man says. That if you do that, if you punish that child, it's because you love them. And because you love them so much, it actually hurts you to punish that child. And so people say, this is going to hurt you more than it does me. You know, if I, if I was a child and I would have thought about it at that time, I would have turned to that teacher at school and I would have go, well, then you give me that paddle and I'll spank you instead. No, but it does hurt a person who truly loves you more than it hurts you. God, of course, could destroy you for your sins, but He doesn't. It's because He loves you. If you endure chastening, it says in verse 7, if you, endure, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there when a father does not chasten him once he's done something wrong? You see, it's because you're a child of God that He disciplines you. It's because He loves you and cares about you. Then verse 8 continues, But if you are without punishment, if you're without discipline, if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, all receive that if they're children in the family. They all mess up from time to time and they all receive discipline and correction. It says if you're without that correction, then you're illegitimate and you're not sons. Verse 9 continues, Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shouldn't we be more ready to be subjected to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed, for a few days, this temporary life on earth, our, heaven, our earthly fathers and parents subjected us and chastened and disciplined as it seemed best to them. But God, for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. And then verse 11 says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'll tell you, that's the way it was when I was in junior high. Back then, teachers had a wooden paddle. The paddle was about this long, and it was about this wide, and they would drill these big holes in it about this size. And that would make these weps when it hit the back of your legs and the back of your backside there, okay? It would make these whips in it, even though it would not break the skin. It wouldn't hurt you permanently. It would hurt you temporarily. And that's what he's saying. No discipline, no correction that you're going through seems to be uh, pleasant for the, for the moment, but it's painful. But afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'll tell you a little story. I'm not sure if my own family knows this one. When I was in junior high, I stole something, I think it was, and the teacher brought me in to her office, and she had this paddle. All of these paddles were not made by the same company. In fact, somebody just went out, they cut their own, one for each school, and they made it. It wasn't to hurt the pupil. It was to cause them to be sorrowful and make sure they didn't do that again, whatever they did. So this teacher brought me in, and she said, Well, listen, you did this, and that means that I'm going to have to hit you on the backside with this, and there will be five times that I will hit you. It's going to hurt. 
Well, I had heard that she had this paddle. And I knew when she called me in that I was in trouble and that I would probably get these hits with this paddle on the backs of my legs right up by my backside right here where you put your comb in your back pocket. You see what I'm saying? Anyway, I had heard that she had this paddle and so trying to be smart, I said, I know what I'll do. I went and got a magazine. I loosened my belt. I put that magazine down inside my pants over my backside. And I thought, oh, well, I'm ready now. But when she brought me in and she turned me over and she was going to spank me with that paddle, she must have seen that something was wrong. She probably saw the edge of that magazine creasing the pants from the inside. And so she aimed lower than the magazine on the back of the upper part of my legs. She didn't make any permanent damage, but man, did it hurt. So after that, I had learned my lesson. I never had to go to that teacher again. The whole time I was in junior high, I had learned my lesson. And that's what it's saying now. It says, now no chastening, in verse 11, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Believe me, that day I had been trained by it. Verse 12 then wraps it up, starts to wrap it up. We're going to wrap up in the next two verses. It says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. I love this verse because it says, don't let this chastening, don't let this correction, don't let this discipline that you're going through put you in despair. Don't let it destroy hope in you because God is only doing it because He loves you and He wants to raise you in a godly way to where you'll know what's right and what's wrong. People who aren't disciplined by their parents have a very sad life. They're usually the people that end up in jails, the people that end up doing drugs, end up taking their own lives because in their own hearts they know that if my parents really loved me, they would set some limits on me. If my parents really cared about me and wanted to make sure that I had a future in life, they wouldn't let me do everything that I want to do they would make sure that they took a stand. Even though they might have to fight with me in words and wrestle with me mentally all the time, and that's how their hair gets gray later in life, if they loved me enough, they would set some limits in my life. And so that right there says that you're loved. So strengthen those hands which hang down. Hands hang down when you've given up. You're not trying to fight it anymore. You've just given up and your hands are down. And it says the feeble knees. Feeble knees can't walk. They can't continue. They just stand. You're just struggling to even stand up. But this verse says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down. Because this discipline is going to make you stronger. It's going to make you righteous. God is using this time of correction to grow you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, and to show you which way to go down the road of life. 
and these feeble knees. Don't let those hands hang down anymore. In fact, lift them up to God because He loves you. And He's showing you how much He loves you by disciplining you. And those feeble knees, don't just be still. Let them be strong and walking forward. You don't stop that race you're in. You continue going forward. Verse 13 wraps up our reading for today. And it says, and make straight paths for your feet. Stop going off to the side this way or that way. Every time you see some shiny thing that attracts you, oh, the world says doing this. Oh, the world is now doing that. I think I'll try that. Oh, look, this is happening. I think I'll try that. Oh, you know, marijuana is being legalized in this state. I think I'll try that. Oh, these drugs sound like they just make you have real good feeling. I think I'll try some of those. Oh, I really want one of those, but I don't have any money. I think I'll steal that. No one will see me. It'll be okay. You're turning to the side off of that straight path in life. Don't turn to the side. Don't turn to this side. Don't turn to that side. Keep your eyes focused straight ahead. Make straight paths for your feet. God is trying to grow you in righteousness. Let Him have the work that He's doing and let it be the work that changes your life. Don't be discouraged. Don't go off to this way, off of the path, or off to this way. Keep your path straight and watch what God's work in your life will do. So don't be discouraged. Don't be so discouraged that you quit, that you turn aside from the ways of God, that you would be like a little child of four years old deciding to run away because you didn't want to be corrected by, the, uh, by your parents. The child who doesn't want their parents to raise them is not wise enough to make their own choices in life. They need guidance and love from their parents to make the right decisions and to grow strong and to grow up in life. It would be sad if a little baby decided that he didn't want to hold that baby bottle by himself Instead, he wanted to continue to let someone else hold it for him while he just drank from that baby bottle. It would be sad if that little baby decided that he didn't want to learn how to walk. After all, someone else always carried him to wherever he needed to be. Why do I have to learn to walk, he's asking himself. Well, why do you complain, you see, when God is raising you and trying to bring you onto the things that are good for you? And how would it be if that baby decided that learning to go to the restroom was strange and different from what they were already doing? So they just kept doing what they had already been doing. Ugh. No, God is just trying to mature you in life. He's trying to prepare you for life. In fact, He's trying to prepare you for everlasting life. You didn't question your own parents when you were two years old. They taught you how to use a fork and a spoon instead of your hands. Did you think like, well, my hands work just fine. I don't need that. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't want that fork and spoon. It's hard to hold. It's hard to do. My hands work so much better. No, you learned. They were teaching you how to do something good. They taught you how to stand up. They taught you how to walk. They taught you how to talk. In fact, I've heard that you spend the first 18 months of a child's life teaching them how to stand up and walk and talk. And then you spend the next 18 years teaching them how to sit down and be quiet. But they taught you how to stand up. They taught you how to walk. 
instead of crawling around on the floor for the rest of your life? Shouldn't you trust your heavenly Father as He instructs you in your new life? Shouldn't you be patient when He corrects you, when you rebel and when you go astray? You see, your heavenly Father's care and watchful eye is for keeping you from harm. You need His wisdom to guide you through the dangers of life and to teach you how to live in a way that honors Him and loves others. You won't be equipped for life to overcome the things that you'll be facing in life without His instruction and training and patiently disciplining you and guiding you in life. You could try to do this in your own strength and wisdom, but without Him, you're just guessing. Speaking of little children, when I was five years of age, I decided I was going to run away from home. I was only five years old, and I knew, I had heard that kids older than me had run away from home. So I decided that that's what I was going to do. My mother did something. I didn't like what she was telling me to do. She wouldn't let me have my way. She wouldn't let me do the things I wanted to do. So I decided at five years old, I'm going to run away. There was a bus stop out beside our house, just a, a few meters back behind, a few yards back behind our house on the street, and we lived on the corner. So I'm not sure what I did, but I got a few things together. I went out and stood there for that bus stop. My mother didn't know that I was there. She didn't know that I had left. And then the bus pulled up, it opened the door, and the bus driver looked at me. Now, in my own mind, I was thinking like, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm just getting on the bus, like other people get on the bus. Forget the fact that I was five years old. Well, he knew something was up. And somehow, he got me back to my mother. I was trying to run away. I didn't know you needed money to get on a bus. I didn't even know where the bus was going. In fact, I didn't even know where I wanted to go. All I knew was that my mother didn't let me do whatever it was that I wanted to do. And apparently the bus driver figured out what was happening. He knew that I was clueless. And yet somehow I got back to the house and my mother smiled, continued to patiently raise me. Oh, she disciplined me, but she loved me. She continued to patiently raise that wayward son that she had given birth to. Thank God she didn't give up on me. And thank God she was patient and didn't give up all those years. And now so many years later, we help each other out through life. Thank God I had a wonderful, loving, wise, and patient mother to teach me about life. And God knows how to guide you through life. He knows what's best for you. He doesn't want to see you hurt. He wants to protect you from hurt because He loves you. God loves you. And even when you're in the middle of that discipline, He wants to hear from you. Just like a little child that's been disciplined, your Heavenly Father wants to hold you, wants to wipe away those tears, to reassure you that He still loves you and that that's, he's, he's disciplined you because He loves you. God assures you that He hears you. And He cares about every single spoken and unspoken prayer we whisper to Him. He cares about the prayers that slip down our cheeks, looking like silent tears. As we place our trust in God and His perfect love for us, we can be sure that praying with a humble heart, surrendered to Him and dependent on Him, 
is always the right way to respond to his discipline. It takes a few moments of reflection to settle down, to be still and know that he is God and that everything he allows in our life is because he loves us so greatly. Why not let God direct your steps in life? Why not sit patiently in his school of life until you graduate, until you've matured in the things of the Spirit of God? Then each day, walk with him. He'll continue to be there to keep you, protect you. He'll provide for you and guide you through life if you're just willing, willing to grow. Why don't you give your life to him right now? If you call out to him, he's going to hear that cry and he'll answer you. He'll rescue you from that darkness that you're in and he'll shine his light on your heart and you'll be given newness of life. He'll change you into a new person and throw all that bad history away. You'll be made completely new, given a new start and he'll give you everlasting life in heaven. That's his promise to you, his guarantee, the guarantee by God himself. I want to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Lord and to receive God's peace in your life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save you from judgment. Just pray something like this. God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your Son, Jesus Christ as Lord. Please forgive all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. He's already started working in your life. A seed's been planted deep down in your heart. And over time, you'll begin to see the wonderful changes that He's making in your heart. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him and His Word every day. Talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do wonderful things in your life.